0: I wanted to do do a single message tonight, and I had this message, and it's going to be real kind of short and sweet, uh, but I had this message on my heart uh, several months ago, and as a matter of fact, Taylor had already, we were in the makings of it, and I switched gears, but it came up inside of my heart again that he fights for you, Um, and so I don't know what God wants to do tonight in this message, but I want to ask you just to open up your heart to receive whatever he has. Now, here's the story. Who, who knows the story of Jericho, Joshua and the walls of Jericho? So, if you don't, I'm going to kind of recap it really quickly. If you want an excellent rendition of it, go, go to YouTube and, Google, and YouTube or search uh, Veggie Tales Jericho. <laughs> it is the coolest rendition of the story of Jericho with Veggie Tales. It's absolutely funny. Uh, but let's read in Joshua 1. Jericho was shut up tight, a drum, as tight as a drum, because of the people of Israel. No one was going in and no one was going out. So, let me give you a, just a real quick background is that the children of Israel are going into the promised land. The first thing that they encounter is this huge walled city called Jericho. Now, let me tell you real quick God was telling them, I'm going to take you guys from Egypt. Y'all remember that story? Prince of Egypt. They were coming out of Egypt, coming out of captivity, going into. God's promised land. And the very first thing that they encounter is this huge fortified city. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just finally got a breakthrough and the first thing that you, that you face is the biggest problem you've ever seen? Yes, I'm raising my hand. Verse 2, God spoke to Joshua and he said, Look sharp now. I've already given Jericho to you along with the kings and its crack troops. <laughs> I don't know what the Message Bible means by crack troops, but (laughs) what are the troops doing out there? They're smoking crack. Well, the king of the crack. Here's (laughs) stuff that the Word of God says. Here's what you are to do. March around the city, all you soldiers, circle the city once. Repeat this for six days. So here they encounter this huge walled city, and God's instruction for them to take this. Now, now let me tell you before I give you too many details about Jericho is that the walls of it were wide enough that you could do two chariots across it. So think of a chariot, and think of this wall having the width that you could do two chariots across it. That's how thick, that's how wide. This wall is and God is telling these people in the Old Testament. You're going to take this, this city. What would you do if you walked up on a big old honking castle. That you couldn't even get through with a pickaxe. And God tells you to take that city. On the seventh day God says march around the city seven times. The priest blowing away on the trumpets. And then a long blast of the ram's horn. ram's horn. When you hear that. All the people are to shout at the top of their lungs. The city walls will collapse at once, and all the people are to enter in, every man straight into it. Father, we thank you for the liberty of your word. God, I thank you that you give us ears to hear and hearts to listen to what you have to say to us tonight in Jesus' name. Your first fill-in is this. What happens when you're believing God for something that looks impossible? Now, I think that too many times we think about impossible situations being some type of sickness or some type of a lost family member that's impossible. But I don't know about you, but I face a lot of things that are very, to other people, might seem very, very small. But in my life, they don't seem to be going anywhere. The other day I was going to work and I I had on my, uh, I didn't even have it on. I was just thinking of the song, Good, Good Father. And you know, I'm driving to work and I'm thinking this song, Good, Good Father. And I stop right in the middle of me driving and thinking about this song, Good, Good Father. And it's like, God, I don't have any issue with you being a good, good father. My issue is that I don't think I'm a good, good son. And so I, so I, had, this, I had this weird appearance epiphany moment that God's not the issue that I think the bigger issue that dwells in my life is that I don't think I'm worthy of a good good father that's not even my message but have you ever been to a place where you think God I know that you are awesome and all-powerful and God and king overall and I know that you love me and I know that your plans are good for me but I don't think that I deserve what your bible your word says about me because I know Me. We're usually convinced of God's ability. It's our ability that is often in question. Because I know what the word of God says about God's ability. But I'm also real intimately acquainted with Jonathan's ability. And can I tell you something? I am not impressed with Jonathan's ability. We often ask, will God do this for me, Have you ever asked that when you were believing or praying over something and you said, God, will God do this for me? Let's continue on the story of Jericho, Joshua 6. He sent the chest of God, which is also known as the Ark of the Covenant, on its way around the city. It circled once, came back to the camp and stayed for the night. Joshua was up early the next morning, the second morning, and the priest took up the the Ark of God, the chest of God. The seven priests carried the seven ram trumpets, marched around before the chest of God, marching and blowing the trumpets with armed... Word that's on my creased paper here. ...with the armed guards marching before them and rear-marching gods after them, marching and blowing the trumpets. On the second day, they again circled the city... And return to the camp. They did this for six days. Now what would it be like? Let me ask you this. Have you ever gone around something that never seemed to quite go away? Have you ever dealt with something that never seemed to get any different or any better? Now, how weird would it be if God just tells you, why don't you just circle around that thing in your life just one more time? Now, what would you do if you woke up tomorrow morning and you just happened to see on your bedroom window just this shadow go by? What? And you, like, look through your blinds and there's people out just circling your house. And they're not saying a word. They're just circling your house. Would that not be a little creepy if just all of a sudden people are walking around your house? You get the point. I'm not going to do it again. How? Let's, let's do, the, do the other side of it. How stupid would you feel if that's what God told you to do? Now, if we were inside the house, we're like, I'm calling the popo. But if you're on the outside, you're like, God told us to do this. What are you doing? We don't know. We're supposed to walk around it. And then we go home and eat lunch. And then we're going to do it again tomorrow. For six days, these people are instructed by God. What happens when you're believing God for something that does not seem to be changing at all? We already did that one. Sorry. No, we didn't. Did we? God will often ask, give us instructions that show no immediate changes. Have you ever asked somebody for advice about something you were going through and they tell you to do something that you're already doing? Well, what you need to do is this. And you're like, I have been doing that for four years. I have been doing the exact same stinking advice that you just gave me. What do you do when your daily quiet time isn't shaking the planet? Can I let you in on something? before we go any further, that I think that we have done people a disservice and told them that every moment of your life as a believer is supposed to be some euphoric moment that everything is going your way. And if it's not, there's something must be wrong with you or there must be something wrong with God. And I'm here to tell you that God's pattern of doing things, first of all, His pattern is that He will never repeat Himself, i.e. follow Jesus healing blind people. If you ever wanted to find out Jesus' healing ministry patterns, follow him, healing blind people, and he will frustrate you. Because sometimes he puts his hands on them. Sometimes he speaks to them. Sometimes he spits on them. Read the Bible. And sometimes he makes mud out of his spit and puts it on them. So just when you're about ready to write a book on the patterns of healings with Jesus, he changes what he does. And I'm wondering What we're supposed to do in the times in our life when we're trying to figure out, God, where are you? And he is nowhere to be found, but all we are left with is following the last instructions that he gave us. Joshua 6 again. When the seventh day came, remember, these people were just, do you want me to do it again? No. They are just walking around. Six days straight. When the seventh day came, they got up early and marched around the city this same way, but seven times. Yes, this day, they circled the city seven times. On the seventh time around, the priest blew the trumpets, and Joshua signaled to the people, Shout, God has given you the city. The city and everything is under a holy curse and offered up to God Verse 20, the priest blew the trumpets. When the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap shout. The walls fell at once, and the people rushed into the city and took it. And we have probably heard this. Preached by many preachers, heard it in Sunday school, seen it on flannel graph, seen it on veggie tales, seen it. You go, go, put, go to YouTube and do Walls of Jericho, you will find movies from 1978 that are creepy and weird, but they are about this story right here. And I've heard it preached many, many times about the walls of Jericho falling. But tonight, as we close this out, I'm not going to focus on the walls of Jericho falling. I want to focus on what we do when we circle the city six times. Whether the physical walls fall or not. We get too often to a place where we hear the preacher say, God's going to give you victory, which I firmly believe that God, the Holy Spirit, just ministered that to a woman here. But our focus is on when that victory is going to come instead of what God is doing up to that victory. Whether the physical walls fall or not, God is doing a work in me during the process. And I too often want to skip the process and get to the ending. Who loves dessert in here oh my gosh if there is a chocolate cake I don't care what you are eating for dinner I am ready for that cake is anybody else like that like you're eating the spaghetti and your eyeball on that chocolate cake how many of you have eaten your food faster so you could get to the dessert I am so guilty of that every day As, as uh, Nacho Libre said, I am guilty of that every day. But how many of us want to skip the process because we want to get to the final outcome? It's the final outcome. God is looking for people who tr- whose trust is in him no matter what is happening around us. How in the world do you think that they felt on day three and nothing was different? Sometimes in my life I feel I'm stuck in day three. Nothing is different and I feel like an idiot walking around the walls of this city and nothing is changing. But watch what happened right here. In the Old Testament, the trumpet was used to call people together. So when God tells them, use the trumpet, he's calling people together. But I thought this was the cool part. In the Old Testament, the ram's horn, go to the next slide, guys. The ram's horn was used after a battle was already won. Did I lose anybody in the story? They pulled out that ram's horn and blew it before... The walls fell. What idiots. You guys are blowing the trumpet of winning and no single brick on this wall has moved. Something in the fact that they, can I say this, that they were celebrating who God was before what God did. God designed you to walk into things that he has already conquered. You know, I've got some things I'm believing God for in my life, and I probably think you're probably the same. God, there's stuff I'm believing you for. But do you realize that when you walk into tomorrow, whatever tomorrow holds for you, that God has already been in your tomorrow and he's in your tomorrow already con- have, having conquered it? Jericho will make it a point to shout out life's impossibilities. Can I tell you about Jericho? Jericho was not some nice little sweet city surrounded by a wall. Most of my impossibilities don't involve a need for a miracle. So even though we might be looking at a wall that is impenetrable, impossible, and most of us are not facing stuff that is impossible, but I'll tell you this, a lot of us are facing things and times in our lives that don't seem to move. There are things in my life that never seem to change. So, who in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, who in here might be facing things that over long periods of time that you're like, this is not changing? That I feel like I'm stuck in day three, four, and five of walking around this wall. Jericho, can I tell you about this? Jericho was a place of godlessness. They sacrificed children, and it just was barbarism in Jericho. One of the 1950-something, or maybe it was a 78 movie, talked about what Jericho was like. It's the craziness. Can I ask you this? Have you ever walked around a wall in your life that didn't seem to move, and on, every time you looked at that wall, you thought, that's just the craziest mess I've ever seen in my life? Life will do its best to back you in a corner and make you think that things will never change. Ephesians 6.10 A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on God's full armor so that you'll be able to stand, I like this part right here, against all the strategies of the devil. Have you ever felt like you were under attack but you couldn't put your finger on what it was. Have you ever been challenged by something and if somebody came up and said, can you tell me about it? You'd be like, no. Can you give me the details? No. Not that I don't know the details. Not that I don't that I want to share the details. I don't know the details. Have you ever faced a challenge in something that you did not know what is this and where did it come from? In in your life right now is a strategic attack on the purpose of God for your life. So wouldn't it make sense... That the enemy of your soul would create and design, a, as the word it says, a strategy, a strategy over your life. That the strategy was so encrypted that you could not figure out where it was coming from and when it got there and when it was leaving and when it was going to resolve. I don't have any problem praying over somebody that's going through a physical challenge in their body, because I know the word of God when it comes to what, when somebody's p- facing a ph- physical challenge in their body. but it's a much different situation when I'm dealing the th- with things that are internal inside of me that I don't know how they're going to change. Ephesians 6:12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. I wish we were, because I would beat the living daylights out of all this. <laughs> oh, wouldn't you This like, it's kind of like, a, it's, it's like a, a mosquito. I wish mosquitoes were like 10, 20 times bigger than they were. Because I'd like to smash the crap out of them. I'd like a fly just to be a little bit bigger, so I'd have great pleasure in punching it. Haven't you just wanted something just to be a little bit, you know, one of those little gnats in the middle of the night. Zoom. Zoom. You turn on the light, and it's nowhere to be found. You look. You look like a mad, mad person standing on your bed. And guess what? You're up and ready. You're quiet and silent. It doesn't move. Then you turn off the light. Zoom. You turn on the light again. Where are you? <laughs> and if it just was a little bit bigger, I would put my fist to the wall that you land on. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this tweet the other day. Did I finish that? But we were but against ru- evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. No, thank you, God. <laughs> Against mighty powers in this dark world. And evil, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Woo, this sounds like fun to me. I, I read this tweet. I put it in your notes. This tweet that somebody did the other day. It says, God says, be still and know. He does not say, as I spit everywhere, be still and feel. Because I am very in tune with how my flippant feelings are. Is anybody else where you're like, I know exactly how I feel about this situation. I hate it. God is fully aware of what is coming against my life. He even knows what's coming my way. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. Why? Because verse 4 says, we, are God's, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the what? The strongholds of human response and to destroy false arguments. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I'm going somewhere with this as I wrap this up. We are, I'm sorry, what are God's weapons? Can I say this? They usually don't involve how I want to handle a situation. I want to punch and scratch and cuss, and I'm just kidding, <laughs> and throw things. But usually those aren't, <laughs> well, let's take a leap, they're never God's weapons. God's weapons work with God's plan. God's weapons <laughs> usually don't ask my input. I wish it would, because I got, I, got, I, got, I got thoughts about that. I like this last one. God's weapons work behind the scenes and they are not very good at keeping me updated. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Day three around that wall. I go back to the day working out with Taylor and Melinda was there and we all walk out of the dressing rooms and we're all in gray and, and uh, burgundy. To which Taylor said, we look like idiots. He said it like this, we look like idiots. Of course, that's all I needed to be start busting out laughing. We look like idiots. Have you ever felt that? On day three, going around the same thing, you're like, we look like idiots. Have you ever felt that when you weren't quite sure how to deal with something and you had been around it so many times and and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what to do and I feel like an idiot. Somebody said one time, speaking in God's voice, Taylor if you'll come on up, I'm doing a whole lot more than you think I am. Here's the thing. We're surrounding a wall in our life that doesn't seem to be moving. And God is on the other side of the wall. Loosening mortar. Loosening bricks. Shifting it where I can't see it. I love this last part. As I march around my Jericho, God is doing a work in me. I am always too. There he is. (laughs) Isn't that just soothing? I'm more interested in him dealing with (laughs) my situation. But as I've grown older and I hope a little bit wiser, I've come to realize that God is more interested in changing me than he is my situation. As I march around my Jericho, I am learning to trust his ability and let go of my ability. As I march around my Jericho, I find God's heart for my future. Can I I say that until I get to, and we, let's include everybody, but let's start with me. Until I get to a place where I am not waiting for walls to crumble, but I'm waiting for walls inside of me to crumble, it's only then that I think that I'm gonna find the heart that God has for me. I think too many people are focused on the end result and don't realize that God is in the end result but he's more in the process that he's taking me through first. God is not concerned about how to get me to where he has planned for me to be. Philippians six, And I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it's final finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God is fully committed to my life being a success. When I was thinking about that song, Good, Good Father, and I was like, you know what? (laughs) I don't feel like I'm a good, good son. God's response back to me was, not your job to be a good, good son. thought it was. (laughs) No. Your job is to know that I'm a good, good father, and in me being a good, good father, I'll reflect what you're supposed to be as a good, good son. God is not afraid of your enemies. Neither should you. If God is not afraid of my enemies, because I sure am sometimes if God is not afraid of my enemies then what business do I have and here's the final thing he has the most valuable thing invested in me in Jesus if you drove out of this parking lot right now and in your and you were driving crazy and you're peeling out and Flooring it and all that other stuff, and let's just say Ben was in the car with you, I'd have a concern. <laughs> I'd have a concern that I might follow you <laughs> and pull you over at some point and say, uh, He's not riding with you because I have an investment, and I'm just using my nephew Ben as an example, I have an investment in him as him being part of my family, and God has the same investment when it comes to us, that he is invested inside of us, Jesus, and when he looks at us, he sees him, he sees the purpose that he has for us through him, he has, sees the plan that he has for us in him, and he has a vested interest in what goes on in my life. So while I'm thinking, circling walls that I think I look ridiculous, circling a wall that is not moving and hasn't moved the last umpteenth million time, that God is not interested in how I feel about the movement of walls, but He is more interested in the condition and the situation of my heart knowing that He has invested His victory inside of me through Jesus Christ. And frankly, to Jonathan and the rest of us, that ought to be enough for us to go forward. It ought to be enough.